Who or what we praise is who or what we are enslaved to. That's our idol. Like if you're going to praise your car, you're going to praise your house, you're going to praise your job, you're going to praise your family. Those are your idols. And what we praise has now enslaved us. We are now in a self-imposed prison and we don't even know it. Always shouting Jesus on Sunday or enslaved Monday through Saturday. Welcome to This Day in the Word with Pastor John Couch, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. It is a joy to have you listening today, and we pray that you will be encouraged, challenged, and motivated to live for God like never before. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor John Couch. Father, we just come before you today, and God, as we stand in awe of you, we want to make much of you right now. God, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be acceptable to you, my Lord, my rock, and my redeemer. And so God, hide me behind the shadows of the cross. God, I pray there's one here today that does not truly know you. I pray if there's one here today that has never given their life to you. God, I pray today will be the day of salvation. God, for those that are struggling and discouraged and perhaps even backslidden. God, I pray that you would encourage and yet challenge in a way that only you can through the spoken word. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would do what he needs to do in this place today. And so, God, as I yield myself to you, give me a divine unction that as the word is brought forth, God, I pray to go forth with power. I pray to go forth in all its glory and all its majesty. And God, I pray today that we'd leave the church house not saying great sermon. God, if if we become enamored with the man bringing the message, we will completely miss the man who is the message. And his name is Jesus. And so don't allow us to fall into that trap today. I pray we would just simply leave the church house today. Shouting, exclaiming, how great is our God. Oh God, we give you the praise. We give you the glory. And we pray this in the mighty, in the matchless name of Jesus Christ who was nailed to the cross. That he went in the grave. But on the third day, the grave could not hold my King. We pray this in His name and no other name. That at His name, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we pray this in the mighty and the matchless name of King Jesus and all God's people shouted, Amen, Amen, Amen. amen. Take your Bible, turn to Psalm 112. Psalm 112. 
Uh, Psalm 112, as you are turning there, I don't know if you know this or not, but our country is in crisis. I don't believe it's an economic issue. I don't believe it's an issue that we're worried about who's going to attack our country from other countries. I believe the largest crisis that we're in today is a man crisis. We are in a man crisis of mass proportion. As one man said, the only way for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. As the man goes, so goes the home, so goes the church, and so goes the nation. In my travels, I often say this when I'm preaching to men's gatherings. I'll say something like this. If you want to know the spiritual condition of your church, just go find out the spiritual condition of your men. We will never solve spiritual issues with man-made solutions. We can enact all the laws we want. We can elect all the people we want, fill in your blank, but unless we repent and turn back to God, and I'm talking to the men in the church house today, we will not see revival, we will not see awakening, we will not see reformation. It simply won't happen. Here in Psalm 112, verse 1, just one quick verse, but... It's so weighty. It's so filled with the meat of God's word. Look what it says in your Bible. And I pray you have a Bible with you, something to write with on your notes there, something, anything, a pen, a pencil, lipstick, super glue, anything you can find. We've got to be students of the word. I learned this statistic years ago that we only retain about 20% of what we hear. So you're going to get in the parking lot and wonder what in the world did that guy say? You got to write this stuff down and be students of God's word. Man, you got to be digging into God's word. You got to be on your face praying. Uh, you got to be intentional. You got to be urgent. You got to be desperate. You got to be broken. Because here's what I've learned over the years. This is what I've learned over the years. You will never stumble into revival and awakening by accident. You don't just wake up one morning going, wow, how do we get here? This is good. No, typically what happens is. You wake up one morning and go, how do we get here? This is horrible. Because it's always a slow fade, isn't it? Here's what God's word says. And I pray you have a copy of God's word in front of you. Psalm 112 just simply says these words in verse one. Praise who? The Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord. Don't miss that who delights greatly in his commandments. It's very interesting because you know this, you've got a great pastor who digs deep into the word and preaches from the word. And by the way, never take that for granted. All right. Never take that for granted. But you know this, that context is king. The best commentary on scripture is scripture itself. Amen. And if you look up just the last verse there in Psalm 111, look what that says here as we lead in and springboard. It says this, 111 verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Yeah, yeah. 
a good understanding, have all those who do obey his commandments, his praise endures forever. Do you, do you see the launching pad by the psalmist? And, and we know that the psalmist here writing has had his ups and his downs, his trials, his tribulations. And you see here in this glorious, glorious psalm that's written here in Psalm 111 going into 112, you see that he starts with praise. Yeah. Yeah. See, praise is not predicated on your circumstances. Praise is predicated on who God is. Uh, God's immutable. He's unchangeable. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Sometimes we get in this cycle of, you know, kind of the ups and downs of life, don't we? Boy, you're going into a valley. You're coming out of a valley. You're on the mountain. You're coming off. Kind of like this, so to speak, visually, isn't it? For some of us, this is our checkbook, amen? Up and down, up and down, right? Aren't you glad that Jesus says that I am the same yesterday, today, and forevermore? You understand that as we praise him, that we set our affections on him for his glory, what he did, he deserves our praise because he is our praise. I was thinking through that thought earlier. and You know, that word praise in the Hebrew is very interesting. It literally means... Hallelujah. Praise ye the Lord. Hallelujah. You can even go deeper, though, if you want to give an English definition to that Hebrew, and you could sum it up something like this. You could say it means to shine upon, to boast in, to glory in, to set your affection upon. But do you notice this, that the psalmist doesn't say praise my circumstances. He doesn't say praise my family. He doesn't say praise me. He says praise the Lord. Literally, when you unpack that there in the original language, he's saying praise Yahweh. The the proper name of the one true God. And there is only one. The praise, the shining, the light upon, the the boasting in, the the glorying in is all missile-locked on one object. Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame. He was born to die. He was born to go into a grave. He was born to conquer the grave. He was missile-locked on the mission. Let me ask you today, man in the room today, father in the room today, are you missile-locked on your mission? So many times we don't even know what the mission is. How will you ever get to where you're going if you first don't know where you are? See, the psalmist starts out with a sacrifice of praise. He starts out with the springboard of, I'm just going to praise the Lord. I'm going to praise Him whether I'm up, whether I'm down. I'm going to praise Him in the storm. Every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. On Christ the solid rock I stand. 
All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Well, he shall come with trumpet sound. Oh, may I then in him be found. Here it is, folks. Dressed, clothed in his righteousness alone. What's the result? I'm faultless to stand before the throne. I'm faultless to stand before the throne. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Where are you standing today? Are you standing in Christ? Are you praising Him in the midst of your pain? Your pain has purpose. Don't waste your pain. Your pain is actually a billboard for a lost and dying world. Because all your neighbors and co-workers and family members, if they see you constantly on the mountaintops of life, they don't identify but when they see that you get the health report and you go through the financial collapse and the cars are blowing up and the kids are misbehaving and all is breaking loose in your life and the losses keep piling up as your back is against the ropes, your neighbors can identify with that. And when they see that happen in your life and yet they see you with a posture of praise saying, I don't like it. I didn't sign up for this. Matter of fact, it's lousy and it stinks. Comma, nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. That right there is going to preach a thousand sermons. That's your greatest evangelistic tool in your church. Just go out and live the gospel in spite of your circumstances. Praise him. Have it be the driver in your life. Give him the first fruits of your praise. That even when he doesn't go your way, are you still going to go his way? Let me ask you this question. I know what we do when God says yes. That's the easy part of life, isn't it? Man, we're raising this hand, that hand, this foot, that foot. We're raising everything we can raise, aren't we? But the real question isn't what you do with that praise when God says yes. The real question is what do you do with that praise when God says no? What do you do when he says no? Are you still going his way even though he's not going your way? We don't praise God because he blesses us, although we give him thanks for the blessing. We praise God simply for who he is. We praise him. That's why key number one, write this down in your notes. Write this down. Here it is, key number one. Who or what we praise who or what we praise is who or what we are enslaved to. Who or what we praise is who or what we are enslaved to. That's our idol. Like if you're going to praise your car, you're going to praise your house, you're going to praise your job, you're going to praise your family. Those are your idols. And what we praise has now enslaved us. We are now in a self-imposed prison and we don't even know it. Always shouting Jesus on Sunday or enslaved Monday through Saturday. 
whether you like it or not, we all praise something or someone. Whether you realize it, whether you like it, everyone, myself at the top of the list, we're all praising something or someone. Question is, who or what are you praising? It's counterculture to our flesh, isn't it? We want to be praised if, if we're honest. We want to be the star of the show. That's how we're wired, isn't it? This depraved, wicked flesh says, me, 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 me. Let me ask you a question today. How many people in the church house, this is not a trick question. How many people in the church house today were ever born? Raise your hand if you're ever born. Well, some of you are looking at me like, wow, you've lost more than your hair, brother. Not a trick question. How, every hand should technically be in the air, right? All right we all been born, right? Uh, you came out of your mother's womb and they wheeled you over into the next room and it was entitled, that next room was how to be selfish, Right? And they wheeled you in there and they taught you for the next three weeks how to be selfish, right? Yeah. yeah. That wasn't the hospital I was born in. Man, I came out kicking and screaming, cheering for one person, me, right? Man, I want you to feed me, change me, you take care of me. I think sometimes there's men in our country that never escape that. Wow. They're physically somewhere, but they're mentally, emotionally, and spiritually still stuck back in the room at the hospital entitled How to Be Selfish. Who or what you praise is who or what you are enslaved to. We are in a man crisis, church family. And do you know this, that some of the most sweetest intimate fellowship with the Lord is when you go through the difficulties of life, when you've been abandoned, when you have the wounds that are there, because anyone can offer lip service to Jesus when things are going well. And yet there are men today, I know this in my travels, that men, there's men today, perhaps even here, I hope not, but perhaps here there's men that say, you know, praising Jesus is for sissies. Here's my response to that. That's foolish. That's utter foolishness. People ask me all the time, they go, well, so you lean on this Jesus, he's your crutch. Yes, he is. I can't do this. I'm done before I start in my own flesh. But with my God, all things are possible. As we abide in the true vine, Jesus Christ, our Lord. You know, we're in a war. I think the majority of people in my travels inside the church have no idea we're in a spiritual war. They have no clue. But you read Ephesians 6, 10 and following, and you see that we are in a spiritual battle right now. Uh, we don't battle against flesh and blood. Yeah. This is a spiritual battle. We must take up the whole armor of God. We take the helmet of salvation. We take the sword of the spirit, the word of God. We, we hit the enemy over the head, upside the head, and on the backside of the head with the word of God. We attack him with the word. Jesus, when he was led out there by the Holy Spirit after his baptism into the wilderness, he was tempted. And yet his every response was, it is written. The word of God. We take up the shield of faith that will quench the fiery darts. We take the gospel and it's shod there with the shoes of peace. You got the helmet and you got the sword. You got the breastplate of righteousness and the shoes. Don't forget the belt of truth. It holds the whole armor together. 
We may live in a culture that says there is no truth, but my Bible says this, that Jesus says that I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. For you school teachers in the room, that's a definite article. I am the way, not a way. I'm I'm the truth, not a truth. I'm the life, not a life. Jesus says that I'm it. Jesus, here's the deal. People will look at me many times and go, let me get this straight. You're saying that all roads don't lead to heaven. Correct. They don't. Uh, You're telling me this is very exclusive. You mean you have to believe in Jesus Christ and no other name? Yes. There is no other name that you can be saved. Only the name of Jesus. And we need some men today to rise up who say, ask for me and my house. I don't care if none go with me. I don't care if I'm lied about. I don't care if I'm slandered. I don't care what you do to me. As for me and my house, we're serving the Lord. And it all starts with praise. One pastor said it like this. He said, we're in that war. And the reality is we don't need an M16. We don't even need an F-16. We got John 3.16, amen? Who are you praising today is the question. Who's the object of your praise? Ask yourself that right now. Who's the object of your praise? You're listening to This Day in the Word, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. All of Pastor Couch's messages are archived and are free to download at thisdayministries.org. In addition, you can share your prayer requests with us via email. Our email address for prayer requests is prayer at thisdayministries.org. That's prayer at thisdayministries.org. And now, back to This Day in the Word with Pastor John Couch. Just think about this. If you've repented already today, you understand this. And we sang about it today. You've given your life to Jesus. Because the debt has been paid. Think think about this. Like he took your place. Like I should have been nailed to the cross. And he has stood in my place. That substitutionary atonement. That he satisfied the wrath of God. That he took my place. How can you not praise the Lord? How can you not? If you have eternal life through Him, what more can you really want in life? How can you not praise the Lord? The psalmist said, praise the Lord. Write this supporting verse down, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Just write that down, I'll read it. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. You guys probably know this. Three very short verses. Number one, verse 16. Rejoice always. 17, pray without ceasing. 18, everything give thanks. Why? For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Paul there, uh, he faced so many trials and tribulations. He's, He's shipwrecked. He's beaten. He's abandoned by friends. He's stoned. Not on drugs. They threw stones at him. You know what I'm saying? By the way, when people throw stones at you, they're not complimenting you. So he went through the trials and the suffering that Jesus warned him about in Acts 9, that you're a chosen vessel of mine, that you might suffer greatly for my namesake. 
Where was the clipboard on your church to sign up for that team? The suffering team, right? And to hear Paul is saying to the church in Thessalonica, he's saying, look at this, rejoice always. Like in the midst of the trial, on the mountain, everywhere in between, rejoice. Pray without ceasing on your face. Dependent prayer, crying out to God. Oh God, if you don't do this, this is just going to happen. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. The psalmist says, praise the Lord. Then he says this, blessed is the man. How many of you woke up today wanting to be blessed? Raise your hand. Anyone besides me wanting to be blessed by the Lord? I guess the rest of you. I mean, I'm going to pray for the rest of you all. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I want to be blessed by the Lord. In the Hebrew, this is what this means. It means happy, but it's not, not the happy that you're thinking of. Because happiness in our connotation today is based on how we feel, right? I'm up and down. My happy meter is up and down based on how I feel. But my contentment meter is simply based in the person and finished work of Jesus Christ. That what he did, I can be content in all things, Paul says. I can rejoice always. That when God doesn't go your way, you can gather fathers, you can gather your kids around the table, you can gather your grandchildren around the table. And even though God's not going your way, you can as a family begin to sing from your heart, great is thy faithfulness. Your life will preach a sermon. Blessed is the man content at inner peace. Who does what? He fears who? The Lord. This is very key. This is not, I'm scared of the boogeyman. This is a fear in the Hebrew that means this. There's a holy awe and reverence. A holy awe. That you just stand in awe of him. You go, oh, God, you're just so awesome. You're so incredible. You're so majestic. Worthy is my lamb, Jesus, who was slain. We fear him, I pray. That's why key number two, write it down in your notes. Key number two. Key number two. The blessings from God. The blessings from God are always first preceded by the fear of God. Key number two. The blessings from God are always first preceded by the fear of God. You first have to fear God before being blessed by God. When you fear God with holy awe and reverence, you will not fear, be scared of anything or anyone. You'll be Proverbs 28.1. The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. But you'll face whatever challenge you have this week head on. Because you know that it's the Lord working in you by the power of the Holy Spirit that strengthens you, that sustains you, that enables you. That no matter what He allows into your life, men, women, children, He can make a way where there seems to be no way. Because I believe God is still in the miracle business. There's many names out there, professional athletes, 
movie stars. But there's only one name that's above every name. And that's Jesus Christ. Question for you today. When is the last time that, that you trembled in the presence of God? Like, when's the last time you trembled? That you got in his presence, maybe in your prayer closet, maybe in your car, maybe wherever he sent you, and you just began to tremble at his presence. You began to stand in awe of him. When was the last time? We will never see revival and awakening unless our men all across this country begin to tremble in the presence of God. Begin to stand in awe of the one. Because comfort always leads to collapse. The irony in prosperity is that the seeming security of prosperity is actually a false floor with a trap door over a never-ending abyss. Why? Because prosperity leads to self-reliance. And self-reliance leads to rebellion against God. And rebellion against God leads to total, utter destruction of personal lives, of homes, of churches, of businesses, of teams, of countries, and entire civilizations. What happened to thus saith the Lord? The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of my God will stand forever. Paul says, I'm in chains for the gospel, but the gospel, the word is not changed. It goes forth in power. That's why he said in Ephesians, write it down, Ephesians 6, 19 through 20. This is Paul speaking to the church in Ephesus. In that imprisonment there. Perhaps he was actually chained there to that Roman guard, hence the illustration of the armor of God. You ever wondered that one? He's probably going, hmm, I need an illustration. Hey, I'll use you. You're standing next to me. Mm. And here's what he says in 19 and 20 of Ephesians. And for me, Paul speaking, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I'm an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. You'll never be bold for God unless you first fear God. The fear of God goes first and the boldness follows. You got to stand in awe of him, church family. Men in the house today, you got to stand in awe of him. Like whatever, men, whatever path you're on today, if Jesus Christ is not the Lord and the master of everything you do, you are on a cul-de-sac going nowhere. Fear the Lord. Romans 3.18. Romans 3.18. There is no fear of God before their eyes. That's the United States of America today, in my opinion. There's just no fear. And I thank God's passive judgment because we're not struck with a lightning bolt when we rebel. I think subconsciously, We somehow talk ourselves into it by the deceitfulness of sin that God is somehow okay with this. God is never okay with my sin. He executed His only begotten Son. Judges, Old Testament says this, chapter 17, verse 6. Write that down, Judges 17, 6. In those days, there was no king in Israel. And everyone did what was right in their own eyes. 
Do you see that there's not fearing God? Well, if we begin to fear God with that holy awe and reverence and stand in awe of Him, and you be the one man today, you be the one father today, you be the one grandfather today, you be the one single mom today, you be the one that says, I'll go stand in the gap. Even if none go with me, I'm still following Jesus. We need an uprising of men like never before to simply say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord. And lastly, what does it say in your Bible? Who delights greatly in his commandments. Think about this delighting in. In the Hebrew, it means this, to take pleasure in, to desire, to be pleased to do. But it even goes deeper. You can get this visual from the original language that it means to bow before. We need some men today in the United States of America that will bend the knee. They're going, you know what? I'm going. I'm going to worship Jesus. I know it's going to cost me everything. But Jesus said, man, if you're really going to come after me, you're going to deny yourself. You're going to take up your cross and you're going to follow me. I don't believe Jesus had those three things and he just juggled them and said, hey, let's see which one falls first. I'm convinced in his hypostatic union, fully God, fully divine, yet fully man, yet with no sin, no sin, right? I believe that he intentionally put that first. You've got to deny you, number one, because I believe he knows that the hardest thing that you and I will ever do is deny me. Because you've got to remember, I came out of that womb kicking and screaming. Me, me, and more me. We live in the selfie generation. We live in the me-centered, me-saturated generation. I'm going to write a book called The Me-Driven Life. That might sell 40 million copies or so. I don't know. The me-driven life. That's, that's the enemy. That's the Satan work. That's the enemy, isn't it? That's him. It's all about us. No, it's all about God and his glory. Remember the psalmist started. Praise the Lord. Who delights greatly. I love that word greatly in the original because it means this. It means exceedingly, in abundance, even this, with force, with zeal, and fervency. So put that together. Who delights, who takes pleasure in, who desires, who's pleased to do with exceeding muchness, in abundance, with force, with zeal, and fervency. I mean, think about this church family. It's going to be very difficult, whether you're a man, woman, or student, or child here today, to delight greatly in the Lord, all the while living in disobedience to the Lord. Those two don't go hand in hand. If you're going to delight in the Lord, you're going to walk in obedience. You're going to be like we said this morning, that Noah walked with God. That's the kind of men we need, the kind of women we need, the kind of students we need. But we're in delight greatly in what? Well, here's the last part. In his commandments, his precepts, his ordinances, his laws. You know, Psalm 1, as the psalmist wrote, he said this, 
that you're going to not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, but what are you going to do? You're going to meditate on the law of the Lord day and night. You're going to meditate. You're going to mutter. You're going to murmur. Dad, Grandpa, today, be those men that say, I'm going to mutter and murmur on God's word all day long. I'm going to drive it deep like a dagger in the wellspring of my soul, my heart. It's going to go from me to my wife, from my wife to my kids, from my kids to the grandkids. You're going to permeate your individual little church called the home with God's word, and that will transform your home. Like so many times, we're wondering why the church so many times is challenged and unhealthy. And my argument is, don't look there. Tell me about your homes. Man, if your homes are a mess, what can you expect? Yeah. And maybe you're living in a bad situation and my heart goes out to you. Whether you're a man, a woman, or a student, or a child, you have a choice. You can be a victim or you can be a victor. And I choose to be a victor. I'm going to be victorious. Because Jesus already went before me. And he conquered sin and death. And the grave is forever empty. That's the power of my Jesus. Think about this. The blessed man delights. He takes pleasure in the treasure of God's words. You guys ever looked for a treasure even as a kid? Maybe as an adult. Maybe you still look for treasures. I don't know. What do you do when you find the treasure? Boy, you bellyache and you moan and you complain, don't you? No. What do you do? Well, you go Pentecostal, don't you? I mean, you flip out. You found the treasure. I just wonder about some church folks in our country today that they claim they have the treasure, uh, but they got sour grapes going on. You know what I mean? They sing victory in Jesus like the victory is not really the victory. Man, we got victory. I heard an old, old story. How my Savior came from glory. How he gave his life on Calvary. What did he do? He died in your place. There is victory in Jesus. That's why Psalm 119, 162, write that down. Psalm 119, 162. I love this. I mentioned this to Pastor James earlier. But it simply says this. I rejoice at your word as one who finds great treasure. Man, do you rejoice at the word? Man, would you open this book every morning and say, Oh, Father, I rejoice. Man, you're going to speak to me through your word. You're going to give me guidance and wisdom. Oh, God, I know you're going to do something great with my life today. I know you've got a plan and a hope and a future. I'm going to praise you. I'm going to fear you. I'm going to obey you at all costs. That's why I was thinking that the thought kept just permeating my mind this week. This delighting in God's commands is not just reading it. It's not just meditating on it. Those are good things. It's not just giving our stamp of approval to his commands. No, the delighting is in doing. Intimate doing, obeying God. James 1.22 says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Anyone get up this morning going, I can't wait to deceive myself? That'd be kind of weird, wouldn't it? Of course not. We're going to be doers of the word. That's what the psalmist is getting at. He delights greatly in obeying God. Not stiff-necked rebellion. No, God, I want to obey you. 
I want to show the world how great you are. That's why God's commandments command obedience on our part. You ever thought about this church family? God's commands are commands, not suggestions. Let me say that again. God's commands are commands, not suggestions. It's the great commission, not the great suggestion. Uh, We're to go make disciples. And that's why lastly, key number three, key number three, write it down. Key number three, delighting greatly, delighting greatly in obedience to God brings his blessing. Key number three, delighting greatly in obedience to God brings his blessing. Godly fear leads to joyful obedience, cheerful obedience which leads to God's blessing. The secret of contentment is fearing God and obeying God. How many of you have children in the room? Raise your hand. Children in the room? Not here in the room, but you have children. You got children, a few of us? What do you say to your kids when they're not obeying you joyfully? Well, you have a word with them, don't you? Now get that smile back on that face. No pouting, no sassing, whatever word you use. I wonder if God says that to me and you sometimes. Do we have a cheerful, joyful obedience that we delight in him? Boy, it's a pleasure. It's a joy to obey you, God, our true father. One of the last verses I want to give you that I pray will encourage you and challenge you, both men and women and students and children, is Joshua 3.13. Write that down. Joshua 3.13. Don't turn there. I want to read it, and I want you to marinate on this. Joshua 3.13. Here's what the word of God says. And it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests who bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of the Jordan that the waters of the Jordan shall then be cut off and the waters that come down from upstream and they shall stand as a heap. Do you see what God is saying here? How many times do we stand on Jordan's stormy banks waiting for the water to part and God's waiting for us to get in the water? It's not faith unless it requires faith. We can label it and call it everything we want. We can wear the t-shirt, have the coffee mug, but faith... Is trusting and believing even though we don't see it. I know, God, you led me here to the bank of the river. And it's at flood stage. This is weak to my flesh. But, oh, God, I believe that you're bigger than the water. I believe you're bigger than the mountain in front of me. I believe you're bigger, God, than anything that comes into my path. And I'm going to trust you as I walk by faith and not by sight. That's why I mentioned earlier that we're in a man crisis. And maybe you're here today, and I want to say this as I prepare to close. Maybe you're here today, and there's great pain in your life. The number one issue I see in my travels 
especially with men, are what we call father wounds. They're not just limited to men. Because perhaps you're a lady in the church house today and there's some pain. Some deep pain. Because dad wasn't there. He was MIA. Do you know that you have a heavenly father? That will fill that pain. That he'll fill that void. That whatever you're hungering for right now, that he can fill that. Because we sang earlier that he's a good, good father, right? And there's a part in that song that's my favorite part, and it says this. Because we are all searching for answers that only you can provide. I don't know where you stand today. Maybe today that you have a resistance to the heavenly father because of the pain of your earthly father. Perhaps that's the roadblock, you surrendering everything to Christ. See, Jesus doesn't want you just to accept him and raise a hand, say a prayer, get wet, do a cartwheel. Those are good external things. He wants you to give your life to him. Like totally, just give it to him. No matter the pain you might be in today, I pray in this time of discipleship, I pray you'll listen to the Holy Spirit. I pray you'll hear a still small voice. And men, for you in the room today, that, that maybe you're dealing with that pain. Oh God, I pray right now by the power of the cross and the empty tomb. God, I pray. Will you raise up men right here at this church? That no matter what the pain is, no matter what the struggle, no matter what the heartache is, I pray today that men will choose this day who they will serve. And they will say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. How are you going to do that, men? you got to praise Him first. Give Him the glory. you got to fear Him. Stand in awe of Him right now. Just stand in awe. Tremble in His presence. And then delight greatly in obeying Him. Father, we come before you today. Thank you for the richness of your word. Oh God, do you be the praise. God, do you be the glory as we enter into this time of discipleship. God, whatever decision needs to be made, I pray our answer would just be yes. Here am I, Lord. Take my life and let it be. For you that are men, wouldn't this be the most incredible day to get this straightened out right now? God, to you be the praise. God, to you be the glory. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, 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 amen. You've been listening to This Day in the Word, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. Don't forget that all of these messages are archived and are free to download at thisdayministries.org. That's thisdayministries.org. In addition, if you have been blessed by the teaching of God's Word during this day in the Word, we would love to hear from you. Our email address is info at thisdayministries.org. Thanks again for listening as we strive to honor Christ and impact our world 
as we spend this day in the Word.